Hey everyone, welcome to the Overflow Podcast, where pastor, author, speaker, and consultant Jim Stern explores various benefits and blessings of life lived in the overflow of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit's love. There is so much to discover, to learn, to feel, and to see when God goes first and we live in the overflow. Hey, here we go. Welcome back into another edition of Overflow. Great to be with you as we seek to unpack, discover, unveil, work through, press in what it looks like to live life when God our Father goes first and the power and the anointing of Jesus and the vitality and vivaciousness of and robustness of the presence of the Spirit of the living God uh, in our lives. Man, we are pressing in, counteracting against lifeless forms of teaching, getting out of the three foot of water, everything just starts to taste like chicken man we got to get into some deeper water some deeper things and uh press in and just see what the spirit of the lord is going to do uh, we are uh in the last of our work on the four babylons the last of our work on the four babylons so let's press in in this way let's press into the overflow in this way the kingdom of god is infinitely bigger than the united states infinitely bigger than the United States government and infinitely bigger than the United States military. In the kingdom of God, we are mildly concerned with who the president is, whether it's Biden or Trump or some other candidate. The kingdom of God is bigger than Biden. You got to remember that no government, no military can stop. No government, no military can stop what God our Father is doing to advance his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. None, none. There's no reason for followers of the Lord Jesus Christ to get all bent out of shape and caught up in politics. We can get involved. We can be aware. We can speak with wisdom. uh, But to think that an election or a candidate or a military or a nation can come against is an absolute distraction to what God our Father is trying to do. And I, 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 I emphasize all of this because we're moving headlong to the 2024 presidential election. Political temperature in our country in the United States is going to heat up probably even more than 2020. Who knows? It's unprecedented political times. And yet the kingdom of God is going to move forward, reaching people one person, one step, one issue at a time. Please, please be careful how much attention and emotion you give to government and politics and how little attention you give to your own spiritual growth and frontline kingdom living. Frontline kingdom living, frontline kingdom disciple making. If you're not making disciples, if you're not on the battleground making disciples, then shut up about politics. There's more, far more important kingdom things to be doing. Hopefully our work on the four Babylons is awakening you to the magnitude of your kingdom calling. I'm just not sure, I struggle with, to know if it's possible to experience the fullness of your identity and the purpose for which you've been created apart from a vibrant engagement in the kingdom more. I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure. And I don't even know why you'd want to. Uh, remember, Mark 1, 15 to 16, Jesus declares his mission to reestablish our Father's kingdom on earth. And the Lord's prayer, he trains us to be daily kingdom focused by praying, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. So that far from life in Christ being limited to you having your sins forgiven so that you can live a nice, comfortable uh, life. To be a spirit-filled child of our Father in the name of Jesus. To lock arms with others and engage in frontline kingdom war. Your role in the war is vital. You are important. You matter. Your gifts, your talents, your abilities all matter. 
massively matter in this kingdom war to the saving and restoring of people and even your own vitalities in the crosshairs of the enemy. So we intentionally press in and seek to understand this war. We got to understand this war. As we've seen from Genesis 9 to Revelation 19, Babylon becomes synonymous with an organized city-state rebellion against our father. Organized city-state rebellion. Babylon is one name of our enemy's team. As your high school, your college, I went to Virginia Tech, as your college has a rival school, Babylon is firmly set against Jesus and his disciples. So we see Babylon in that context. We understand Babylon as an enemy of our faith and of our king. Now, if you have not read or listened to the previous sessions on the first three Babylons, you got to do that. You got to do that. It'll help you get clarified a lot in this uh, in this understanding of Babylon. Uh, now, as I've worked through our last Babylon found in the book of Revelation, I've actually seen that there's five Babylons. Yay! Hey, hey, hey. One, two, three, four, five. So we're going to expand our original list of four to the following. The first Babylon is found in is Babel, Genesis, the Tower of Babel, Genesis 9 to 11. We've talked at length about that. The second Babylon is the old Babylonian empire. There's no scriptural reference uh, to that. It's historical, purely historical. Uh, The third uh, Babylon is the Neo-Babylonian empire led by the very biblically famous King Nebuchadnezzar found in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and others. The fourth Babylon is actually Rome. Rome, first century Rome, actually first, second, third century Rome. Uh, that is found in Revelation 14 to 19. And then the fifth Babylon is apocalyptic Babylon. So the fourth Babylon is Rome. The fifth Babylon I'm calling apocalyptic Babylon, which is Revelation 14 to 19. Let's talk about Babylon, Rome. Let's talk about Rome as Babylon for a little bit. The apostle John wrote the book of Revelation approximately 80, 90 while living on the island of Patmos underneath Roman rule. First century Rome is the, by far, is the dominant world empire. So if we go backtrack to our Neo-Babylonian empire for under Nebuchadnezzar, uh, 586, after the Babylonians, after the Neo-Babylonian empire came the Medes and the Persians. The Medes and the Persians became the dominant world empire. After the Medes and the Persians came the Greeks. After the Greeks came the Romans, came the Romans. In the time of Jesus, in the time of the Apostle John, in the time of the early church fathers, Rome is the dominant world empire. By the time 80, 90, 11 men had ascended to be the Caesar of the Roman Empire, by 80, 90, there had been 11 Caesars. 20 years before 80, 90, 80, 70, under Caesar Vespasian and his son Titus, Rome sacks Jerusalem and destroys the temple. That should sound really familiar, and it should sound super eerie. A little over 600 years, a little over 600 years before Rome destroyed the temple, Babylon did the same thing under King Nebuchadnezzar. As Babylon ruled the known world in the 6th century BC, so too Rome ruled in the 1st century AD. As a student of what we call the Old Testament, the Apostle John would have seen the parallels. Babylon sacked Jerusalem, destroyed, wiped out Jerusalem, wiped out the temple. Rome destroyed the temple, sacked Jerusalem, wiped out the temple. Further, under Roman rule, under a guy named Caesar Nero, under Nero, 54 to 68 AD, Christians endured widespread persecution all throughout the Roman Empire. That Rome could be coded as Babylon in John's revelation makes perfect sense. 
John wanted to talk about Revelation, wanted to talk about Roman code as he ex- explored the Old Testament, saw the cruelty, the brutality, the attacks on Jerusalem. John said, oh, Rome is Babylon, Babylon is Rome. So in Revelation 14, 18, John sees an angel. An angel appears to John in Revelation 14, 8. And John hears the angel say, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. An angel declares Babylon the Great is going to fall. John's heart would have leapt. I'd imagine he would have given some first century version of a fist pump. The yoke of Christian oppression, the dominant global geopolitical power was going to be toppled, going to be toppled. And you can feel it in the heart of John as he is inflamed in his understanding that the kingdom of God was far bigger than Rome and Rome could not stop what God was going to do. Couldn't, Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. One vision from Revelation 17, 1 to 13. It's actually 1 to 3, I think. Uh, Oh, 1 to 13. Excuse me. Revelation 17, 1 to 13. As part of that vision in verses 9 to 12, this is, listen to how the angel, listen to this vision that John gets about Babylon, Rome. Here it is. Here's the mind which has wisdom. Uh, uh, the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits and they are seven kings. Five have fallen. One is the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain a little while. So John has been given a vision of a woman sitting on a scarlet beast. The scarlet beast has seven heads and 10 horns. Then in verses nine to 12, we get an interpretation of, of these seven heads and ten horns. And the interpretation says the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits, and they are seven kings. So that seven heads are seven kings. Five have fallen. So five of these kings have fallen. One is, and the other has not yet come. So the current king is reigning, and there's another king that is to come. And when he comes, he's going to reign for a little while. The beast which was and is not is himself an eighth, king and is one of the seven and he goes to destruction the ten horns which you saw are ten kings which have not yet received a kingdom so future kings but they receive authority as kings with the beast watch this for one hour for one hour so very similarly to visions we get in the book of daniel daniel chapters seven and forward we get to these weird animal visions that perfectly map onto current geopolitical powers and kings we're getting the exact same thing here where we're getting these weird quote-unquote weird animal visions that map onto current heads uh, and kings thrones mountains kings rulers and they all in in the book of revelation point to roman caesars And what we see is the power of Rome is going to continue for a period beyond John and Domitian, the Caesar at the time Revelation was written. One hour in this uh, this interpretation, they receive authority as, as kings with the beast for one hour. One hour means that the rule is limited. Sure enough, Rome is going to be defeated. It's going to fall, 476 A.D. 476 A.D. So in many ways, Babylon in the book of Revelation maps the Roman Empire. As we see in the book of Daniel, Babylon prophesied, all these weird funky animals, Babylon is going to fall, undefeatable Babylon is going to fall, and who does undefeatable Babylon fall to? The Medes and the Persians. In the book of Revelation, we see undefeatable Rome, the Roman Empire, likened to Babylon and prophesied that 
Babylon Rome is going to fall. And sure enough, it did. We see scripture lining out. We see the kingdom of God bigger than geopolitical entities, the geopolitical nations. The kingdom of God is bigger. The kingdom of God is more lasting. The kingdom of God is more powerful. Uh, so that in many ways, Babylon in the book of Revelation is the Roman Empire. In other ways, Babylon in the book of Revelation is just something far more. There's a description that goes beyond geopolitical, geopolitical Rome. In the exact same way, and this is where you pick up our fifth Babylon, apocalyptic Babylon. So we, we go from geopolitical Babylon being Rome to apocalyptic Babylon being something more. And it's very similar to the way in which Isaiah 14, Isaiah 14 is a description of King Nebuchadnezzar. It is a description of the fall of King Nebuchadnezzar. Yet, the description clearly goes beyond any description of any earthly king. And what we find in this description of quote-unquote King Nebuchadnezzar is actually uh, uh, the story of the fall of Satan himself. And so Isaiah 14 gives us a portrait of the fall of Nebuchadnezzar, but it's beyond Nebuchadnezzar. And through Nebuchadnezzar, we get a message about the fall of Satan himself. In the same way, we have Babylon Rome in the book of Revelation. And as we read about the fall of Babylon Rome, we actually discover this is beyond just the geopolitical entity of Rome. And we see this in Revelation 18, 2 to 3, when an angel again appears to John. The angels are super busy in the book of Revelation. An angel appears to John and cries out of this way, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. Again, he says that again. That line is repeated in Revelation quite a few times, and it's beautiful. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become, uh, watch this, watch this description. She has become a dwelling place of demons and a prison of every unclean spirit and a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the passion of her immorality and the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her and the merchants of the earth have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. Now, no geopolitical Rome or Babylon can become a prison of every unclean spirit. Think about the reality of that phrase, a prison of every unclean, unclean spirits, a demon, the home of demons. The angel refers to Babylon beyond Babylon, refers to a supernatural kingdom aligned against the kingdom of God and calls it Babylon. This is Genesis chapter 11, Babel, the Tower of Babel. This is the organized city-state, the, the, the original organized rebellion. This is the organized army of Satan himself, always working to unify the image bearers of God to war against their creator. This is not just first century geopolitical Rome. This is supernatural kingdom of darkness aligned against the kingdom of God called Babylon. Notice that both kings and merchants, this is, man, this is important. This is, this is problematic. Notice that both kings and merchants, politics, politicians, kings, politics, politicians, government, and merchants, uh, uh, the business class are caught up in the enemy's work. Government and business become tools of darkness in the kingdom war. Revelation 18, 9 and 11 indicate that the kings and the merchants are going to weep when Babylon, fall, Babylon falls for they're going to lose their power and their wealth. Their allegiances will be exposed and they will stand before Jesus. They will stand defeated before Jesus. It's apocalyptic Babylon. 
apocalyptic, that's a tough word, apocalyptic Babylon reinforces our understanding that Satan is ruler of this world, leads mankind in an organized rebellion against the love and faithfulness of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The war, the war is much bigger than you. I'm sure that your church is nice and does great things, but the kingdom of God is much bigger than your church. It's bigger than your ministry. This war that rages is intense. So what did Jesus do to engage in the kingdom war? Let's look to our teacher. Let's look to our example. What did he do to navigate? What did he do to win in the kingdom war? One, he embraced who his father declared him to be. He embraced his identity. He embraced his identity of who his father said he was. Upon his baptism, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus' father spoke to him in Luke 3.22 and said, You are my beloved son and you I am well pleased. If you want to become awakened to the reality of the kingdom of God, if you want to walk in victory in the kingdom war, you got to embrace who God our Father says you are. Who God our Father says you are. And then secondly, as son of his father, Jesus' joy-filled desire was to accomplish his father's will on earth as it was in heaven. As it is in heaven. His father's will was for Jesus to reach people. To reach people. One at a time. Love people, free people, train people, send people. Jesus advanced his father's kingdom, our father's kingdom, by reaching people. You want to succeed in the kingdom of God, get busy reaching people. That means you have to evangelize everybody. That means you have to make disciples of everybody. It just means you got to open up your heart and start loving on people. Ask somebody to coffee, ask them to breakfast, ask them to lunch, give them a phone call, and just say, how are you doing and ask them about their lives and ask them questions about their lives and watch what's going to come out. Watch all of the darkness that's going to come out and be brought into the light right in front of you. And what are you doing? We're advancing the kingdom of light against the kingdom of darkness. How do we do that? We do that as we bring from the darkness into the light in our own lives. And then as we, we make ourselves available for other people to bring from the darkness into the light, what's going on in their lives and light advances over darkness. It's really that simple. It's really that simple. Jesus advanced his father's kingdom by reaching people. He pushed back Babylon by reaching people. You can push back Babylon by reaching people. All five Babylons aggressively, seductively seek to keep people from the overflowing abundance. All five Babylons that we've studied aggressively, seductively seek to keep people away from the overflowing abundance of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Follow Jesus. Rest in who you've been made to be. Rightly understand the unstoppable force of God's kingdom and your vital role on the team should result in a Holy Spirit-given confidence and a profound sense of value for you. Then engage people, pursue them, love them, listen to them, and train them in the overflow as you've been trained. And please, goodness gracious, please, be careful of the vitriol of the 2024 presidential cycle. The kingdom of God needs no president to win. And needs no government's permission to advance. Put a smile on your face. Let the Holy Spirit, let the smile of the Holy Spirit come out of your heart. This, brothers and sisters, is life in the overflow. Mash the notification. Spin this around. Spread it around. Throw it around. Let's get more and more brothers and sisters awake in the Lord Jesus Christ and the vibrancy of the Father in the name of Jesus on the front lines, reaching other people, loving them from darkness to light in the joy of the Lord. I hope that you have a fantastic 
uh, Christmas holiday. May God our Father visit you in profound ways in the power of the Holy Spirit and draw you into deeper waters as we seek to live life together in the overflow. Thank you for joining us in the overflow. To find a blog connected to today's session where you can engage with Jim and others, go to trexo.org forward slash blog. This podcast is made available through the gracious giving of people just like you. If you would like to help us bring more people into the healing waters of our Father's love, you can do so at trexo.org forward slash donate. We will be back next week for another edition of Overflow.